This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. So there's some great things you can get now through December 12th, which are double R ranch ribeyes. You can save $10 a pound on those. You can save $4 a pound on Carlton Farms pork tenderloin and steelhead. There's savings of $3 a pound. Uh, mandarins and um, you're going to be using some Bob's Red Mill flour for the holidays. You can uh, you can get five pound bags of Sorted varieties, you can save $2.50 on those. So now's the time to uh, stock up. Also, they're meatballs, ready-to-cook Italian meatballs, only $9.99 a pound. You'll save 4 bucks a pound right now. So get over to Zupan's and make everything a little easier and save some money while you're at it. And Chris, moments ago, you mentioned the holidays. We should point out right now the perfect opportunity for you to pre-order your Hanukkah meal via Zupans.com. Celebrate the Festival of Lights with their fully cooked Hanukkah menu. Uh, You got brisket, latkes, all sorts of great stuff. Hop online, Zupans.com. And of course, as Christmas approaches, you can order your holiday meal there as well. I've been doing this for years. I cannot recommend it more. It's a great way to do the holidays in an easy, delicious way. And also Saturday, December 9th, this is pretty cool. Perfect for the food lovers and chefs. 40% off all aged balsamic and truffle products, 25% off caviar and fresh truffles, and save on Zupan's A5 Japanese Wagyu, foie gras, and more. So the people who really appreciate the good stuff, that's for them. December 9th. Three locations to serve you, McAdam, West Burnside, and Lake Oswego, and information is always found at zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again. It's Portland's Food Scene Podcast right at the fork with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures, and I'm co-host, Court Johnson. You know, I'm a very fortunate man to have you introduce me all the time. Not People don't get that in life, right? An introduction all the time from such a such a professional. Yeah, but, but you know, I have to follow you around everywhere you go. Every time you make an entrance into <laughs> restaurants and people's houses, I have to stand at the door and, and out, uh, you know, like in the old days. And, you know, the uh, union has the fee for that going up in 2024. So we're right. going to have to get another sponsor. I don't, th- I don't think it's enough right, as right. it is. What, what the listeners don't really know, Chris, is this, <laughs> this is like the third or fourth time I have attempted to make that simple little intro because for whatever reason today I'm stumbling over myself. We both gen, uh, no, I, I generally do. So to have both of us in the same camp. Yeah. Uh, now, now I feel like I'm not alone. So All right. thanks. You're so welcome. listen, what we, I do. Have, a, what I we do. have a lot to look forward to on the podcast. Usually, or these days, we used to be set up far in advance. And I guess since the pandemic, it's, we don't have as many shows booked, but, uh, we do coming up and it's exciting we have gary the foodie with his year-round wrap-up i'm not going to say which weeks these will be but uh we have um we have your friend the man you discovered uh bill oakley oh yeah steamies coming up he's going to talk about his favorite places in portland we should say i didn't discover him i mean he discovered himself he he was a writer and a showrunner for the simpsons so i mean the guy created himself but 
I right, interviewed him first. Of the two of us, sure, of the yes. two of us, you discovered him. Okay, I'll take it. All right, I'll take it. I just lopped on and I've been watching his Instagram, which is always fun to watch. Yeah. And, um, you know, in a world in the Portland food world where everybody gets a little snotty about everything having to be local and fresh and farm, farm, farm to table. Yeah. He's not doing that. <laughs> so no, he's, he's, he's reviewing kind of the antithesis of that. Yeah. He's reviewing Wendy's and Carl's Jr. and all that. It's great. Right, but he also has his favorites in Portland, and some of those are the cooler places that yep. you know we tend to focus upon on this podcast. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, who else do we have? We have the folks from Rally Pizza That's right. coming up, and then we've got a few in December uh, scheduled as well. So um, as we've mentioned before, anybody who's listened to this should pretty much know we will be completing 10 years of podcasting uh in four weeks that's right so i thought it would be fun to have back our original first guest don barasa who at the time was the community director i think that was his title at yelp oh, and that was how we started out so right. don, don now lives in portugal and he's gonna i'm working on putting together a trip to Portugal and he and I have been in touch and it's been nice talking to him, but he is now doing some marketing work and he's an expatriate. And I thought it would be interesting to hear what it takes to be, to move somewhere else. A lot of people are doing it, especially as I get older, I'm noting that, you know, people are moving to places like Mexico and many to Portugal. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be kind of fun for he, him to talk about what it takes to do that, what his experiences have been. And we're going to talk a little bit about Yelp, but also just about the food world and so forth. He moved out of Portland a few years ago. So that one I'm looking forward to, and that'll be our first episode of our 11th year. So um, Very nice. That's, pr- that's pretty cool. So, so Chris, you mentioned... Um, uh, that you're potentially working on a trip to Portugal, but you actually have a, another trip going on that you, that, uh, I have, it's brand new, right? You have three right, trips. Well, I, I have three trips in 2024. All of them have room. Two of them have a little room. So if anybody's interested, they need to get on it soon. Those are our fourth Bass Country trip with the folks from Urdaneta. Uh, that's in April. And then we have um, a wonderful trip to Sardinia, which is the island above Sicily. And uh, I just did a preview run there uh, a couple of months ago, and it is going to be fantastic. We have room for, on both of those trips, for four more people each. So uh, we just had somebody sign up this this week. So, um, but the one that you mentioned, the new trip, which I'm really excited about because everybody's been asking us, when are you going to do a trip with Urdaneta to Andalusia? And uh, we're doing it. So we've got it down. It's a very general itinerary right now because they're going back. They've been a number of times. And of course, Chef Javier Canteras grew up in Northern Spain and his, his, uh, his experience took him to southern Spain quite a bit. So he has knowledge of the area, keen knowledge of the area. But in terms of places we're going to go, he we have most of those in mind. But we have a few things that need to be ironed out. And he's gonna, they're going to go back in April. So we'll be able to have a tighter itinerary. But there is one 
right now at portlandfoodadventures.com, which summarizes what we're going to be doing, what the dates are, what the pricing is. We're going to be staying in really nice hotels as we usually do. So that is a pretty awesome trip. Uh, to define it, we're talking about Sevilla, uh, Granada, Malaga, and uh, some stops in between. One of um, Javier and JL's favorite spots is in Cordoba, and that's where we're going to be going uh, for a really nice lunch on the way. And I had my favorite empanada ever in Cordoba. I'm, oh. We're going to try to figure out a way to get to that wonderful um, Victoria food market there to do that as well. So anyway, that is wide open. We'd love to have anybody join us. There is right now a $500 per person uh, incentive, I should say, to book before January 1st. Anybody who books before that, um, $500 off on that trip. You can go to Portland Food Adventures and see the all the details. All right, enough of that. But that's, you know, I always like to have things to look forward to. Yeah. And, um, you know, trips, my whole life, I've thought if I just book trips, doesn't matter how dreary the winter is. Um, I got some things I can look forward to and think about. And um, it makes it makes things move a little faster. And uh, I suggest to anybody right now is a great time to book. We've just had some pretty crazy weather and we're going to get more. Yeah. So we've just started. Yeah, this is a nice way to get through that. Trips in both in April, September, and October. Okay, that being said, we did a trip last year or the past few years. Uh, not last year. Well, yeah, last year, 2021 and 22, on the Snake River. And my guest on this podcast, uh, Sherry Brown, was one of our uh, adventurers down the river. Um, and we were talking, we actually were we had one person on the trip who was kind of a Debbie Downer. Mm -hmm. you know, everything was, I don't like this. She showed up in halfway and said she was not into camping or water. Oh. So, yeah. So that was the start of it. But at any rate, the first day we're going on the trip and Sherry and I are going, just having a great time talking about our favorite places in Portland and, you know, what's going on, some of the some of the things that are not in business anymore, where people are. And this woman chimed in and said, is there anything else do you think we could talk about other than food? <laughs> well, we were on a food trip down the right. river. So yeah. at any rate, it was kind of fun. Sherry and I laughed and uh, we we hit it off on the trip. It was fun. And uh, I haven't been in touch with her for a long time. And recently, uh, we said hello, and um, I thought it'd be great to have her on the podcast. Oh, cart before the horse. She has a really great business called Portland by Mouth. And so she does food tours in Portland. Kind of should have mentioned that up front. Um, but she does food tours in Portland. Uh, her company is Portland by Mouth, and she highlights neighborhoods. She's got a couple of neighborhoods she highlights, and uh, it serves both the tourism industry and local people who just want to go a bunch of different places in a three-hour span on a tour in Portland. So uh, we talk about how that business started, how she got it rocking, where she goes, and where some of her favorite places are. In this uh, interview, it was a lot of fun. And so here she is, Sherry Brown in all her glory. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. 
unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers and local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland. West Burnside, McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Ringside Steakhouse. For over 78 years, Ringside has been providing the best steaks and has been the home of the beacon of great hospitality in Portland. Make a reservation today at ringsidesteakhouse.com. And while you're there, sign up for their mailing list to be the first to find out about exciting specials and events going on at Portland's beloved Hallmark restaurant, Ringside Steakhouse. And by Portland Food Adventures. It's your opportunity to travel to the world's most celebrated food destinations with right at the Fork host, Chris Angeles, and some of his favorite chef friends. Check out PortlandFoodAdventures.com for exciting and delicious itineraries to Spain, Italy, and elsewhere. Stay in great hotels, eat incredible food, and leave the planning to Portland Food Adventures. All right, Sherry, you were just telling me you don't like public speaking, but that's what you do for a living. <laughs> I know. Well, I have to get over it every time. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess a lot of people don't like their jobs, but I assume you like your job. No, I do. I do. And actually, I did a tour yesterday, and she asked what my favorite part of the job was. And I said, honestly, getting to meet all these interesting people and sharing my city. There you go. I thought yeah. maybe you would have said... That because I have this job, I get to go on a podcast and talk to Chris. That's my well, favorite that, that's part number two. That's number two. <laughs> no, I am just kidding and just trying to uh, work through the coffee. I think these were the, fr- the this is the first these are the first words I've spoken today. So just oh. warming up a little bit, just okay, right here on the podcast, warming myself up, very selfish, and you too. So. Um, Thank you for joining us on a Tuesday morning. I really appreciate it. I know you were slightly hesitant to do this for reasons we just mentioned, but I don't think it'll be a problem. You tell me at any point if you think this is a problem, and then we'll just like figure it out at that point in time. But listen, I think it's important to talk to you. You are an important part of the Portland food world. You are introducing new and favorite things to many people. We'll talk about exactly how that, um, how that comes about. And your business is called Portland by Mouth. Is that right? It's not Sherry by Mouth. It's Portland, no, by, Portland mouth. by Mouth. Right. So, um, yeah, I did that much research. No. Um, so you and I met on one of my river trips. Right. We spoke ago. on the phone first when I... I got Leaf's email from Flying Fish. It mentioned the river trip, and then it had you to call. So we schmoozed on the phone, and I felt like we, we schmoozed. Kind of- and you, um, you, and you made a few suggestions on how to do what we do better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some marketing and such, and um, right. yeah, yeah. And then we, by the time we met at the raft trip. It felt like we knew each other, and we were all like gossiping about foodie stuff, and people on the boat were like. Let's not allow gossip about foodie stuff on the boat. Wasn't there, were you, I don't remember, but there was one time on one raft where someone said, yeah, I think that was when you and I were talking. Yeah. 
Yeah. Someone said, do we have to talk about food? And I'm like, this is a food trip. Okay, what do you want to talk about? War? So <laughs> anyway, no, we, um, well, we both have an East Coast thing. And so uh, we yeah. got along and I'm glad we, um, we haven't spoken in a long time. And we just recently said connected hello to one dinner. another. Right. Yeah. We connected yeah. for dinner. That and was that was fun. That was very nice. I, uh, I had a good time. So, yeah, totally. and then here we are. You get roped in for dinner. You get, that's part of the, part of the deal. You got to do the podcast. If oh, you that was the lead in. Too, so. <laughs> I see. Yeah. So that's how I get people on the podcast. Never. But anyway, so, um, so let's talk a little bit about Portland by mouth. And, um, I guess let's work backwards. So okay. why don't you talk a little bit about what it's all about? And, you know, also talk a little bit about the food tour industry in Portland, because there are a few businesses doing that, I think, who do. Yeah, so, and, yeah, and, there's a few companies. Yeah. Right. And few have come and gone with crawls and stuff that tried. And, you know, it's not an easy go. So that's why I want to talk to you about how you what you do, what you do, how you decided to do it and how it's been. OK, well, um just as a brief introduction, I've lived in Oregon over 26 years, so it definitely feels like home to me. Uh, most of that time, I lived in Eugene, two hours south of Portland, and um, maybe five, six years before I moved up here, I was coming up to Portland for, for other things, um, but I really started getting into the food scene here. I've always been into food, but plugging into the I try to combine a visit with like hitting a couple of hot restaurants. Uh, then I moved up to Portland in 2017 and kind of wanted to reinvent myself. And I thought of a way, what could I do that would combine my talents and interests of food, people, travel, uh, different cuisines. And I've, I've, been on food tours before, love to travel. And I thought, yeah, I think I'll do that. So that's what I did. So I started on Airbnb experiences and then uh, did that for a year. And then it came time to roll out my own website and uh, more own it more fully. Good. So, so yeah, are you still doing the Airbnb experiences? Um, do you still no. do it through Airbnb? No, no. I mean, those were very cool. And I, I did some really unique things, but they're not really scalable. So you just usually end up getting like one person or maybe a couple. And, you know, it, it ends up not being all that viable as like a real business model. But it was a great entryway. And I got the hang of of guiding. And yeah, it was good. And, pu and public speaking. So it's not something you can just decide and do to start food tours. There's a method to that. You have to decide where you're going to take people. Right. Obviously, inform those uh, establishments that you're going to be bringing X number of people in. And then, of course, there's the marketing of your business. How do you go about finding your customers? Um. I mean, most of them come through Google search. It The first year or so, I was way down on SEO. You know, they say, where do you hide a dead body on page two of Google? Well, I was on page 11. So at that point in time, I was getting most of my customers through third-party websites like Viator and then doing paid mm -hmm. Google ads. So... 
you know, that's obviously the cost cost of acquisition per person was was high and you want to get it lower. Uh, but I, I built up the SEO. I really just kind of self-taught and stumbled around and figured it out. It took me about a year. But once I hit page one of Google, um, you know, people people tried out the food tours. There's a few food tour companies in Portland, but people look at what neighborhood they want to hit, what what day of the week. And, you know, some are going to pick others, some are going to pick mine. And then the reviews start coming in and, uh, you know, the rest is history. But you always have to be working on SEO. So um, what, are, what are you number one in Portland food tours? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm number one, but but certainly coming up in those in the maps in the top three high enough yeah portland food tours food tours in portland oregon those are the big ones i mean i check the google analytics and sometimes there's sometimes i come up other ways but but some version of food tours in portland is like the vast majority you know when i first started portland food adventures we used to come up a lot in 2010 and 11 but I haven't kept up with algorithms and all that stuff. And I don't necessarily want to be contacted for, can you take us on a tour in Portland? So, Oh, right. Um, right. Yeah. You what know, you're doing is, you got, is you kind got, of unique. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little different, but I could do way better. I know that, but uh, maybe I'll, <clears throat> I'll take some, I'll, I'll ask you to consult with me to get me up there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, honestly, Mark marketing is the, is a big part and it's not necessarily my strong suit. I, I like it when I do it, but I, I don't have a natural, uh, you know, mind for it. I'm much better at designing the tours, keeping the logistics going, managing my time, connecting with people. Um, so I also distribute, uh, rack cards in hotels. Mm-hmm. Uh, building a relationship with the local um, DMO, just, <clears throat> which is Travel Portland, and going to events, networking events. So, yeah, it, it's something that always has to be done, the marketing. Yeah, no, it's a never-ending process, and then it always changes. That's what, that's my frustration is once you learn something, it changes. My Instagram, where I have over 10,000 followers now, when I post something, gets about five likes, which is nuts. And, you know, it used to get a 200. Now it's down right, to five. Right. And that's because I don't buy the advertising. That's why that's happening. I'm getting penalized. Yeah, there's all of those things. And, you know, social media, I think it's good to have a presence, but it's also hard – I don't think there's much with direct conversions. Someone doesn't see it and then say, oh, I'm going to plan a trip to Portland and take that food tour. It's just uh, like it's base layer and building brand awareness as far as the Instagram per se. Well, you're more based on, you know, ROI and and clicks at that moment. When someone's interested, they're looking for it and they're going to go and click through and book on your site. So. Um, so that's cool. Let's talk a little bit about the tours themselves. Okay. What does it feel like? What, what does it look like when someone goes on one of your tours? Sure. Well, um, I have three different tours that I run. They all have the same basic theme in that they're based in a neighborhood and we walk throughout all of them. So when people sign up, um, they get an automated letter and they're told where to meet. And that's always our first stop. 
Um, and then over the course of three to three and a half hours, we're going to walk something around a mile and a half and hit five to mm-hmm. six places. So it a bit plays out like a progressive meal. Um, the, the Buckman tour and the Kearns tour, we have three savory dishes, one alcoholic beverage with a non-alcoholic option, and then dessert. And the brunch on Mississippi tour, since that's happening in the morning, we do two sweets, two savory, and two beverages. And there's an option for alcohol on that too. Um, mixed in with all of that, I'm, well, I'm telling the stories of the chefs, the restaurants. Also, as we're walking, we're looking at things of interest, whether it's historical or cool and quirky. So yes, we eat, you will get a good sized meal from the experience, but it's also an opportunity to hang out and absorb a neighborhood at a nice pace when you travel maybe a neighborhood you wouldn't have had time to see in your own time and just plug in and get a feel for what it's like to be a Portlander. I think that's great because I know people often would ask, where should I go to eat? You know, with no direction whatsoever, no neighborhood, no cuisine type. Um, And it's, if someone's got one meal, that's tough. The nice thing about tours, you get to try a lot of different things. Yeah, for sure. um, Along the way and there's two general types of people that come on the tour. Um, so there's the ones that go on tour, food tours everywhere they travel. And then there's like the food tour virgins. Maybe they just came across it or they Googled fun things to do in Portland and um, they're just checking it out. And, you know, for the, for the most part, everybody loves food and is excited to try a whole bunch of different things. So, and it's true when you travel and Portland, especially is such a great right. food city. You just like, you read about so many things you want to try 50 restaurants and you're only going to be here for four days. So we're still not going to hit every great restaurant in Portland, but we're going to hit five or six places when you would have gone to one. Right. And I'm sure you can give people suggestions for the rest of their day. Totally. Yeah. You're doing a day tour where, the, you know, where are they want to go for dinner, that's where you can talk to them one-on-one and say, well, yeah. here's where you want to go. Definitely. Yeah. Get a neighbor, get an idea of like what neighborhood are you hanging out in or what type of food do you like? And then I do my best at making a suggestion there. Is your market uh, a little younger? I would imagine it is. Um, On the younger side. Like, yeah. I don't think it's going to be a lot of, is it 70 year olds, 60 and 70 year olds? Or is it? Uh, there, there's some. To- yeah, you know, probably a. I should I should measure it, but I think a lot of people in their forties to sixties. Uh, but I'm always happy when young people sign up too. Twenty year olds, you know, up to mm-hmm. people in their mid seventies. But I'd say most is is probably between forty and sixty five. All right. So what's your after how long have you been doing this now since 2017 so we're going uh, on 6 years yeah 18 oh 18 yeah. well okay so what is what what did you learn that was the biggest surprise that that gave you pleasure from doing this and then on the opposite side of the coin what sucks the most that you didn't see oh well 
let me say the biggest the biggest lesson that I learned um, that I would want to encourage anyone that's going to start any tour business um, to <clears throat> to not make this mistake, which is I spoke to my web designer who's based in Portland. I just found him on Google and um, we spoke about the differences between should I get booking software or should I use WooCommerce, which was associated with WordPress. And he basically mm-hmm. gave me the the pros of WooCommerce and the cons of the booking software. And so I went with that. That was a huge mistake. There was nothing could be automated. I, I can't even get into all the gory details, but it literally made like a hundred times more work for me. I had to do everything manually, send out emails, nothing could be automated. So the next year I got on uh, peak pro for software and that was, that was amazing. So someone should just get a booking software when they start, whether or not it's going to be the perfect one and they stick with it. That doesn't matter. Just get on that and then you can figure it adjust it as you go. Um, and then the biggest surprise, um, I, I don't even know if this was a surprise, but I'd say the nourishment that I receive from meeting people coming on their all sorts of cool vacations or staycations. It's just really great to be wrapped up into their vacation story for an afternoon. Or morning. And so, you know, it really feeds me in a bigger way than I might have thought it would have. Oh, that's interesting. And you probably got some travel ideas from people since they're travelers, I would imagine. Yeah, or it's it's just fun to hear. It's just fun to hear what everyone is doing and how they're crafting their their trip. And um, yeah, so so that's really fun. The, the relationships, it, uh, another benefit is the relationships with the restaurants and those honestly take time and effort and then constant maintenance on those things. But now having a whole host of restaurants and eateries, when I go there, it's like to be greeted by name and they see like they want to bend over backwards and do great service for me. It's just, it's nice for me to support those restaurants and for them to support me. All right. So these questions are tough because they're all supporting you and you like them all. So it's tough. It's like asking someone to pick their favorite grandchild or child. Oh, right, right. So do you have, is there anybody in particular that you think is just like the, so nice that treats you very well and customers that uh, perhaps you didn't know going in, right? You, you met these people and then you've been dealing with them. Um, is there a business, a restaurant you think is... Uh, particularly awesome and i'm going to disclaim this for you sherry is that that you can't name them all or you can if you want you can go through a list of all of them but we don't want to we want people to take the tour we don't want them we don't want to give a list of spoilers here um i have to say the restaurant that has the absolute best customer service and is probably the most organized restaurant if not in all of portland than i've ever dealt with is Kochka. They are true professionals there. They are. And we've it, had them on the podcast and we've done events yeah. with them. And yeah, uh, yeah they, I mean, 
Israel the, and Bonnie and their whole yeah. team are. Yeah, great. and I, I'm not dealing directly with Israel and Bonnie because they have bigger fish to fry. But um, they are great about communication. They always want to talk to me and see what if I'm doing a special event. When I just come in there for the regular food tour, it's it's pretty dialed in at this point. But I do I do custom food tours and private food tours, and um, they kind of you know, bend and squeeze and always do what it can take to, to make it work. And um, yeah, they are just okay. Well, really that's fabulous. good. So do you, do you sit down and do you sit down at a table? Yes, you must. You can't have people standing around. Right. You got to right, sit correct. down and get comfortable, yeah, right? Yeah. We're sitting down. I mean, it depends. Um, yeah. Sometimes you're sitting at a table inside and getting actual service. A lot of the restaurants or are where you go and order at the counter and then they bring the food to you. But yeah, you're sitting down and relaxing while you're eating. And it's nice and welcoming because tables are ready for you when, um, you know, when you come in. I think. Uh, so, really yeah, so, some places, yes. Uh, some places, not. It depends on the establishment. So there's a few where they know that we're coming beforehand. But when you hit food cart pods and such, it's... Oh, right. Yeah, it's not like they have the capacity to save tables, but I run the food tours um, at times of day that are not really busy for the restaurant. So, so nine thirty in the morning for the brunch one, we hit the busy places before they even get busy, and then the afternoon ones run after the lunch crowd and before the dinner crowd. So there's always plenty of space. Well, nine thirty though is kind of for the better places that's a little prime time that's not easy to well yeah i only do it on 9 30 in the morning um on thursday and fridays okay good we are by the way i'm we're not going to stop it again which we already have but i apologize to everybody for a little bit of this tunnel sound that we have but we're going to we're going to power through sherry and uh because in each instance either court can play with it or people can pick up what you're saying and i i appreciate listeners bearing with a little bit of a technical issue here so um uh but they get the pleasure of listening to you sherry so it's worth it not necessarily me but you so she, you got nothing to say to that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, um, what? So, what did you do before you? You know, before you came to Portland. What's your background? Oh, um, well, I did a lot of things. I, um, I have a degree in environmental science and biology. Um, the in the years prior to coming to Portland, the main thing that I was doing for a living was um, investing in real estate. I had started that slowly, like twenty years earlier. So, um, buying and holding, buying and fixing up, reselling. I used to process short sales. Um, so, yeah, that was the years prior. Prior to that, and concurrently, I. Uh, used to do event management in in Eugene with my former mm. partner and we would bring authors to speak to town and um, I actually organized a trip to Costa Rica I put on um, herbalist 
herbalism conferences. So I've always been an organized person, but that helped me hone my skills as putting on an event. So different things I've done through the years has kind of came together to build some some skills that were transferable in this business. Oh, good. Well, those are some good skills. And I just still find it amusing that you would say I'm not really a great public speaker because I think you are and okay. you're outgoing. Okay. And well, we're not going to fight every- over that. No, no. We, we Let's find something. We'll find something else. We'll to, find something uh, else to fight over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, well, um, and then how is the real estate uh, business treated you, man? It's up and down and you can't know. Yeah, I, right, uh, right. No, no, I pretty much got out of it. um, uh, Like shortly after I moved to Portland, I had sold the homes that I've had for many years. And, you know, real, real estates, it's always a hassle. You're always fixing something dealing with someone's drama. I mean, I embraced it when I did it and took on the challenges, but uh, I don't miss it. All right. And so you grew up on the East Coast, correct? In New York? Yeah, Long Island. Long Island. So it was, uh, we're in Long Island because, you know, I was born there. That's where things started for me in uh, Manhasset General Hospital. Okay. Well, I was born in Syosset Hospital, but I was raised in Comac, which is about 40 miles east of Manhattan. And then how long did you spend there? Well, I lived there for uh, 18 years and then... Then I went to college in Florida. I moved to Oregon when I was 23. So I had five years in between. That was a mixture of uh, going to college in Florida, um, having my running away with the Grateful Dead, moving up to the Catskills, (laughs) having my son traveling around the country on a hippie bus with too many drug stories, uh, living in New Mexico for a year, Florida a little bit. That was just the condensed version, but that was all about five years. And then I settled in Oregon. When well, I far be it from me to leave that one alone. I don't want to <laughs> leave that. I don't want to leave those alone. We're going to go into that, but I want to take a moment just to go. Oh, I'll uh, just tell you a quick, Oh, just to give you a, an example. I drove from New Mexico to New York without an alternator. <laughs> And in the middle of it, I got arrested in Ohio and went well, to jail. I don't, I don't even know what that – I'm not mechanically inclined. So what does that mean? What happens when you're not oh, an alternator? That means that the uh, your battery's not getting charged, and so the car's only going to run until yeah. you use the energy up in the battery. So, yeah. Right. So why did you get arrested? <laughs> I get arrested for half a gram of marijuana in Harmony, Ohio. They oh, store a Volkswagen van, half a gram, half a gram. Half a uh, gram. Yeah. Man, that's and like, that's like, that's like ashes in a pipe. It, it's nothing. It's not even anything in Oregon. It, they saw a van, a Volkswagen van with some teepee poles and they surrounded us with drug dogs that started barking and they did a hunt and they found half a gram of marijuana. So. Oh, and that was enough to take you to jail. Oh my God. So. <laughs> There's a reason that I live on the left coast. Yeah, no, I, and so I do want to talk about the differences between the right and the left coast, uh, and some more of these stories. I got a few myself, you know. Okay, I well, we spent, can stick to the food uh, I, tours. I don't need to go down too many rabbit holes about that, but you got oh, a good I one. Think that, 
I think they're kind of fun, and it would make for me. It would make people want to be around you, maybe to hear about more. But um, yeah, you got quite a storied background. But let's come back. A uh, quick message from our friends at Ringside Steakhouse, and uh, I'll, we'll be back with Sherry Brown of Portland by Mouth. We are pausing just a moment right here, Chris, to talk about one of our favorite places to eat in Portland, an institution, Ringside Steakhouse, where right now their Christmas meal kit is on sale, a Christmas prime rib dinner for six, $275. The prime rib is trimmed, tied, and ready for the oven. It also comes with uh, their signature seasoning. Uh, They have all the instructions on how you do this. So here's what you're going to get. A half prime rib roast, mashed potatoes, roasted Brussels sprouts, ringside table bread, and then for dessert, caramel apple pie. Again, that's available for order right now through ringside at ringsidesteakhouse.com. One of the best gifts you can get anybody would be the gift of Ringside Steakhouse in the form of a gift card. Right now, they have a special offer. You get a $50 bonus dining card when you purchase $300 in gift cards or... Even better, get a $100 bonus dining card when you purchase $500 in gift cards. So you can get a ringside gift card in any amount up to a few thousand if you're really feeling generous. Uh, those, those bonus gift cards are available for use in early 2024, January, February. But the gift cards you're getting as gifts are good anytime. And of course, Chris, people can just do the old school thing, which is just go and eat at Ringside Steakhouse. You can book those reservations at ringsidesteakhouse.com or book through the Open Table app. All right, we are back. And I'm not so sure Sherry wants to be back after I I pressed a little bit on some of the uh, Volkswagen bus adventures. I have mine going across the country too i got stuck in tennessee in 1978 are you still there yeah i could have been so i had a rotary engine mazda and my seals the 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 seals in that car used to always go so i have no idea i have no recollection of how i paid for that and how i stayed i had to stay for a week in Carthage, Tennessee, waiting for parts in the Mazda to get there. And they didn't know what a rotary engine was, right? In Carthage, Tennessee, they're all Chevys at the time, I guess. Um, but Carthage, Tennessee is where uh, Al Gore grew. You know, that was his, that's his town. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I didn't know that at the time. But some crazy stuff. And then, um, of course, going through Texas in the middle of the summer with that same car that sucked with my, you know, when it was like 118 degrees and I had my heat, heat blowing full blast to keep the, as much heat off of the engine as I possibly could. So the things, the things we did then and the things we do now. Yeah. So, um, that we wouldn't even think about, but it's, it, it's, it's type crazy. two fun. It's type two fun. Right. It is. And so, but, but you know, the common, one of the common things that we have is an East Coaster in Portland, Oregon, in passive Portland, Oregon, where people yeah. generally don't say what's on their mind. And you and I have a uh, penchant for 
just not necessarily because you're you and I'm me, but because of where we grew up, saying what's on our mind. How do you find that to be? Do you find yourself walking on eggshells sometimes and you have to stop? I mean, I have this podcast. We've had it for almost 10 years, and I have to stop and think about what I'm going to say and how it's going to come across in this city. Um, I would say 26 years in the Pacific Northwest has definitely yinned me out a bit and softened me. I can definitely um, invoke the New Yorker in me when, when I feel the situation warrants. But I've gotten way more laid back than I used to be. But I don't like waiting in line, getting my time wasted. That's something that still irritates me. But nah, most, <laughs> I've learned to just let a lot of things go. And it's like, it's not that important. I'm a big line changer, so I, uh, if I can't stand something, I move into the next line and just completely fucking up, and I should have been on the other line. Oh, yeah, right. Well, there's that, too. There's that, too. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a direct person. I'm a direct person, but I, I guess I would say right now I'm a, a fusion of the East and West Coast. Like, I'm direct, but I don't – when I speak, I speak directly and don't dance in circles – but I also don't feel like I have to say everything that's on my mind every moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my balance. Uh, with it. I've been learning that I'm quite a bit older than you are. Um, and I am just now learning, you know, sometimes it's better not to speak and open that can of worms. So um, I'm getting better at it. I'm not perfect at it for sure. Oh yeah. None of us are, but that, that's how I, I didn't even do that intentionally. I think it just, just happened over time. And I look back and I say like, oh, this is who I am now. I think I like this. <laughs> how's your, how's your driving now in, in Oregon compared to the East Coast? Um, you mean, what do I think of the driving here? Well, I mean, you know, it took me a while to slow down and not be like, uh, swearing people out in the left lane and all oh that right stuff. right that that's part of getting yinned out for sure yeah um, yeah I mean it's okay I don't drive that much living in Portland because um, I live in a live in a walkable neighborhood and you know I've gotten used to it. Portland drivers are the most polite drivers of anywhere I've ever encountered and people say this all the time on the food tours they just remark about it. So um, people from out of state, they're remarking, they're already remarking about the driving. Yeah. Yeah. Because like 99% of the time, a car will stop <laughs> when they see a pedestrian, which is really rare. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it was hard for me to get used to that on the West Coast because I firmly believe that a car can see a person uh, not as well as a person can see a car. And so here there's this false sense of security when you're going to put your foot out on the road that everybody's going to stop. Oh, well, one, I don't do that. And then two, I definitely don't do it on food tours. I, I always make sure to make eye contact with the driver. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. you have to. And you got responsibility yeah. for a lot of uh people too so i mean i do know, that anyway for me but but doubly right, with a food right. when i'm guiding people right you have to do that so listen to be good at what you do i believe and i may be wrong but you need to be well-rounded and you travel 
quite a bit. I know you're you're heading off on a pretty uh, extensive trip soon. Where are some of your favorite destinations that you've been around the world? Because I know you've been all over the place. Um. Yeah. I mean, I love different places for for different things. France is wonderful. Um, you know, Paris and and the other regions as well because the the food's so fabulous and the architecture. Um, I love places that are like wild and open, like Alaska. I think the west west coast of the United States has some of the best food of anywhere I've traveled. Um, I love the food in Southeast Asia. I love the the hustle and bustle in Southeast Asia. That's where I'm actually headed back to. I felt like my senses were always full and overstimulated, but in the best of ways, the, the smells, the sights, the noises, all of it. Um, you know, Central America... Does that cause you to gravitate? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the one last region I'd, I'd name is Central America, Caribbean, uh, you know, Latin America, um, is, you know, it's not that far from where we live. So it's easy to get there by plane. It's not that expensive to get there. And then it's pretty reasonably priced when you're there. And the people are fabulous. I have always found that in Latin America. Like, they see you and you are part of their family. So that is really nice. And do you feel safe there? Yeah. Do you feel safe when you've traveled as a single woman? I know you've not always traveled by yourself. but Right, right. I've traveled with people. Yep, yep. I've I've never felt unsafe. I've, you know what? People are always willing to to help. I blow out my two left tires driving on the left side of the road in Fiji and, and someone comes and helps me change the tire and, uh, yeah, people are, I've been lost wandering through villages at night in Mexico and my, you know, my Spanish is so-so and someone helps me find my way back home. And yeah, I find people overall to be really wonderful. It's very different than the impression you get of the world in the news, but I'm not traveling to war zones. Yeah. You know, I find that too. And I, you know, even on a domestic scale, New York gets a bad rap, but I think there's some of the most friendly people anywhere in New yeah, York. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the, the some places, they really hustle you a lot. It's just very much part of the culture, and it can get a little exhausting. They're not, you know, it's not necessarily unsafe. They're not going to rob you, but you just want to, like, you know, sit and relax and have a coffee and everything. People are trying to sell you stuff. So that that can get a little bit exhausting, but it's not unsafe. Well, that's good. So do you find that um, people that you maybe or your, your, do you call them clients or customers? Uh, Guests. Guests. Yeah. That you're a guest. That's the, uh, that's the term that I generally use too, but sometimes I gravitate towards clients and customers. But at any rate, do they gravitate towards Asian flavors? I've found that, you know, a lot of the chefs in this town gravitate towards them. And I feel like at least not so much on the East Coast, but on the West Coast, that's the favored. Uh, cuisine is to oh, go. Oh, right, Asian. right. Well, yeah, actually, when we do the introduction, I'll ask people like, you know, share a little fun foodie fact about themselves, favorite food, dish, ingredient, 
restaurant if they're local. And the most commonly named um, favorites are definitely Mexican and Italian, which we have great of them, you know, all over. So that makes sense. A lot of people definitely do name Asian. And this is interesting to me, but the most common thing named as not being liked is seafood. Really? Yeah, which I love seafood, but it's I have learned this one through experience and two through through people saying they don't like seafood. Like generally That's not odd to- because I I when I moved here I thought I was I was moving to a seafood haven and it's true. There's great seafood, there's no doubt about it, but like I always thought I'm going to be eating salmon all the time and not necessarily the re- at least in the restaurant world. Yeah. I'm not featuring yeah. that. So, right, places um, will have a, a seafood dish, but um, yeah, we have a few seafood restaurants. But anyway, I I have learned that that uh, not to put seafood on tours, and people love Italian and Mexican, and sometimes those get featured on the tour. All right, so what are your fav- some of your favorite uh, Mexican and Italian places without giving away the store? Yeah, well, for me, I um, I don't eat gluten. So for myself personally, I don't really go out to eat much at Italian. Um, well, no, I'm talking about, you know, on your tours. You you definitely know who likes what. What oh, are some right, of the right, most right, for uh, sure. well, appreciated current, places? Yeah, on the Kearns tour, we, uh, we visit Montelupo. We don't actually have a meal there. We just kind of wander through the shop. But it's a beautiful mm-hmm. shop and they have a lot of homemade pastas and all these goods imported from Italy. So people really enjoy that. That's a little bonus stop. Um, we used to go to Nostrana on the Buckman tour, but during the pandemic, they changed their hours and now they're only open for dinner. So I will take people there uh, if I customize a tour for the evening. We might go to Nostrana mm-hmm. and they always do a fabulous job um yeah their food's great the ambiance is great the service is great they're so knowledgeable about wine right and they're a big restaurant so they obviously can accommodate your tastes or your needs for gluten-free food oh yeah right right they have a broad menu so um yeah and then mexican let's see on the current tour we uh visit guero which focuses on tortas they're fabulous. Right. That is often named they're, the favorite spot. And their hamburguesa is pretty awesome too. I haven't had one in years. But yeah, we, we get the, the masa y papa. It's a corn and potato patty. And then they put all these wonderful toppings on. And I've had so many people that were self-described like, you know, carnivore lovers that said, wow, that was amazing. I haven't tasted anything that good in a while. Yeah. So we go there and then we go to Tropicale for drinks. We get some pina coladas there. Okay. Yeah. All right. yeah. And I was going to say you're close. If you're there, you're close by flying fish, but people don't want to necessarily go for seafood. So um, you're not doing that. Yeah. We, we walk down 28th, but, but, um, yeah, we don't hit flying fish, but if someone has told me that they like seafood and sometimes it comes up, they say, where can we get oysters? I always direct them there. Um, yeah, so I'll, I'll mention spot. it and if then, there's an opening for it, but yeah, we don't visit it. 
And then what about pizza on your tour? That would seem to me to be an easy thing. Order a pie and everybody gets a slice. Um, yeah, we don't hit, we don't hit any pizza places. We do. Yeah, we do walk by some, but, but they just happen not to be, they just happen not to be on the tour. But I mean, I know that there's plenty of great pizza in Portland. I was going to say they're hard to avoid in Portland. It's hard to walk down a block now without hitting one, but you know, they're a little bit like Starbucks all of a sudden pizza places on every corner or everywhere. Right. Right. And and I mean, one of the cool, I'm from New York, so I have some kind of definite opinions of like what a really good authentic pizza is, but Portland has a lot of different styles of pizza and that's pretty cool. So whether you want your Detroit or Chicago, Neapolitan, Neapolitan, Neapolitan. Yeah. No, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. And then there's all the places that claim to be New Haven style, but they're not. So, um, no, but it's all, you know what? It doesn't matter. It's all good. Whether, you know, you want a certain style, if it's tasty, it's tasty. I just went to Naples and had some awesome pizza there. But, you know, a lot of the pizza in Naples is like a lot of the pizza in Portland. So, Well, like the Ken's Artisan, right? Their style is like yeah, the well, Ken's that's Artisan. What, yeah, well, that's what I was thinking about when you said 28th. It's like, but they're not, they're not open for lunch. So you would Right, right. I there. mean, for the food tours, there's a lot of great restaurants that we can't hit that we walk by because they're dinner spots. But again, right. if there's an opening in the conversation, I'll point it out or mention it. Right. Well, you might be able, well, I guess it's, there's so many pla- good places that are open, but you could always arrange with a particular restaurant, I think, that is prepping and say, listen, can we just come in and have a special bite? And then people feel like they were kind of in the insider tour that they're you know getting fed by the people from the kitchen who normally wouldn't eat anyway yeah i'll uh, keep that in mind that would be fun yeah yeah no i started when i started doing portland food adventures which was in a completely different iteration of what it is now my initial thing is how do i get how do i get the account, the seats at the counters, like at Toro Bravo. How do I make sure right. that people can go there at eight o'clock and get two seats at the counter? So how did you figure real- that out? Oh God, it was easy. I mean, it was just so many things I found out about Portland and chefs, which is kind of why I'm doing this, how awesome they were in accommodating. So I went to John Gorham, who I didn't know very well. He had seen me, you know, at Toro Bravo a couple of times. And I just said, listen, I'm thinking of starting. It's a, not the same thing as yours. I wasn't going to be walking people around, but it was going to be kind of by app at the time. And I said, I'm thinking uh, I'd like to entertain people coming in from out of town and be able to make sure they get the seats at the counter here. And he said, well, that's we can do that. And I said, well, how? I thought I was going to have to give him like 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever it took to get those. And right. he said, oh, just, uh, just let us know ahead of time. I said, how far in advance? Oh, that day, just let us know. We'll make sure you have them. And okay. so I went from there and then I did other things like looking for gift cards and everybody was saying, whatever you need, we're here. I mean, it was so collaborative. Everybody wanted to help along the way. Everybody would, you know, almost anything you asked, people would say, sure, we can do that. We'll be happy to do that. Very few knows. Post-pandemic, that's not the case. It's not the same as it was. It's a mm-hmm. different food world out there. So, And I think it's because of the cost of entry. People are a little different. They're not as – they don't have time 
to come up with ideas and do these things like the one I was just telling you, it probably wouldn't be as easy as it was seven years ago to do something like that. So, um, but that's how I did it. But then I realized this is a tough business to promote. That's why I asked you about marketing up front. How do I, how do I sell these to people in New York? What do I have to do? Buy an ad? And this is before a lot of search engine SEO, and what do I need to do? Buy an ad in the New York Times Magazine for five thousand dollars? I'll never make that back. So. Right, right. So, so most of the people that go on your trips, they're from the Portland area, so they're that's how. They're- oh well, no, I quickly. So actually, not that people are listening to hear this, but the. 30 second explanation for that was that the same time I was asking John Gorham for the seats at the counter at, at, uh, tasting sons. Um, I said, where do you go to breakfast? And he sent me to what Fuller's and the little red bike cafe. And I went to all of the places that he said were some of his favorite places. And then I was sitting there and I thought, well, shit, this is a better idea for Portlanders where the chefs suggest you should go what are their inspirations or what are they like right and that's how i started that's how i did start doing the events where chefs tell you where to go and i thought well this is easier i can just create a following in portland and now for my trips they're mostly portland people who've come to my events or listen to this podcast or uh you know have followed over the years i've got a decent mailing list and uh, but this last trip we took to sicily it was only a couple of portland people and the rest were from florida and south carolina okay okay well um i'm in a i'm in a facebook group called tourpreneur like entrepreneur but tourpreneur yeah and um god it's grown i've been in it for a couple years three Three men took it over a year plus ago and have done an amazing job growing it. There's over 10,000 members. So it's tour operators from all over the world. And um, oh, cool. yeah, now it's up to 10,000 people. So there's a Facebook if you wanted to join. And I would say this for anyone else who's a tour operator or wants to be a tour operator. Um, go on Facebook and look for Tourpreneur. You need to ask to join the group. Um, mm-hmm. It's you're not allowed to promote your own business. It's not about that. It's only right. for networking. But um, people ask all sorts of questions. And you know, you get people that are thinking of starting a business to people that have been successful and they're running a business for 20 plus years. So, so I'm not the one necessarily to have the answer to how are you going to market what you do to people all over the country. But I think that within those 10,000 people, there'd be a lot of good ideas that come out out of that. Well, so actually, my when we're th- done with this, go yeah, on no, Facebook. Go- I'm and, going. Yeah. Find tourpreneur. I was actually, you know, my interest really is more the market in Portland. And because I want people to appreciate Urdaneta and flying fish or whomever we're doing a trip with, whoever that chef is, I want them to know why they're going. And I found that people who come from other areas of the country aren't necessarily as appreciative of that. And it makes the trip better if everybody wants to be there because they want to hang out with Javier and JL and Andre from Urdaneta. That to me, and we don't need a lot of people on each trip, right? We only need 12, 14 people. It's six sales, six couples. So we can find, we do pretty well finding those in Portland. I just happened to find, you know, 
you never know how things transpire. But the reason we had people from Florida was a former someone who lived in Portland, moved to Florida, asked her friend from uh, actually Long Island to go. And then, you know, someone else asked somebody else. So um, that's how that happened. But I got it personally like people who want to who appreciate the Portland food world on these trips. That's kind of what it's all about. But at any rate, I, I, I got to go on one of your trips. I used to say that to Brett, who did the food cart tours for years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Does he still do them? No, he sold that whole business. Okay. So he, he actually has a home, a bar on Morrison. That's his place. Have you been there? Oh, no. He was uh, – he yes, I know who you're talking about. Um, he was yeah. on the rafting trip that, that I was on. Oh, yes. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Talk about connections. That's how this all works. So, Oh, um, so I don't think that I knew that he did the uh, food cart tour. So, okay. He did the food cart tours and Food Carts Portland was his website. He was the food cart guy. Got it, have, right, where there was a map. It was like the most comprehensive list right. of all of the food carts. Yeah. Re- right. Reviews and all that stuff. And we used to have him on the podcast to talk about cool uh, food carts. And then he used to travel around the world and people wanted to know what was going on in Portland and how that worked. And he traveled all the world and prom- uh, promoted the Portland food cart scene, you know, internationally and uh, became very well known. So, um, yeah, he's, uh, I'm sorry you didn't know that. I, I think you probably might've had a couple of different interesting conversations on our. Yeah. Well, we had other interesting conversations, but yeah. No, I know, but it would have been nice if you, I, I guess everybody had the opportunity to introduce themselves, especially yeah, on that sure. trip. We yes. had somebody who was really suggesting that we do that. So we did do that. So, um, all right. Well, listen, um, last question outside of, you know, what people like on your tours personally, a couple of favorites in Portland that, uh, if you have a friend coming in from out of town, you would tell them they have to visit. And this this is nice because you're not in a uh, an uncomfortable position for your business to favor yeah, one over yeah, the yeah, other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, for sure. Well, last night I went to La Pigeon for dinner, and in my opinion, anything Gabe Rucker is pretty awesome. Um, I'll often tell guests when they ask to go to Canard because La Pigeon's, you know, you might not get in or you might not want to commit to a whole tasting menu, but Canard is like. Gabe's mad genius brilliance in the kitchen, but small plates and you don't need reservations. So um, any of the his places are great. And the one in Oregon City is as well. Haven't. Yeah, that's great. But those are no secrets. I'm looking for the places that you know about that other people don't know about. Well, you know, you know where one place is fabulous. That's kind of a secret. Mm hmm. Is the uh, there is a seafood restaurant in in River Place down by the marina the that fancy hotel? Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a Kimpton hotel, and I had been one time just because I was meeting a friend to go for a walk, and we were down by the marina and gave it a whirl. The food was so fabulous, and I commented, and they said, "Yeah, well, we." Uh, Poached the chef from Andina. This was now a couple years ago. So half the dishes were like Japanese flavor profile, and then half of them were Peruvian. 
And it's like, wow, nobody knows about this place. I would go back like on a Friday night in the summer and there was hardly anyone there because it's not in the foodie news. Um, and so it, Portlanders it don't know about it. And it should be. King, yeah, King. Is it called here. King King Tide? It's, and It's King Tide. And yeah. Alex, Alexander Diestra is the chef. He's been on this podcast. And uh, yes, he was at Andina. And then I believe he was at Saucebox before that. Oh, okay. Well, I uh, love Saucebox. I was sad to see that one go. Yeah, so that one I feel is a secret. All the other places I love is like, it's not a secret. He was building up the whole Nikkei thing at um, Andina when he was, I get, you used the word poached, poached uh, to They used it to me. They used um, it to me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's I'll how use they, it they back. said so that. This to is me. just this is hearsay. This is hearsay. And so, uh, but no, that was a big get for them to get to take him from Andina because he was quite talented. He hadn't been at Andina that long, honestly. He was uh, just getting going there, and then the pandemic hit also uh, at the same time. Right. Right. So. Um, at any rate, no, that's a good one. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And it makes me think I should get him on the podcast. I should. Yeah. And then, um, and then another one that's not that famous. I live up in Sullivan's Gulch by Northeast Broadway. And, um, there's some, most of the food up here is like, it's okay. If you're here and you need to eat, there's some things that you can eat. But one <laughs> place that opened up that is fabulous is Heavenly Creatures. I was going to say that if she doesn't say heavenly creatures, I'm going to say that. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, the, the whole, the vibe, the service, everything's great. Um, And then the food is really, truly fabulous. Yeah. No, it's great. So that's another hidden magic. One of the magical things about this podcast is we've done so many of them that I can now, because you mentioned that, and so if people want to go deeper, they can hear podcasts from Joel, who's oh, yeah. Joel Gunderson, and, and also Aaron Barnett within the last month or two. Both of them from Heavenly Creatures talking about Heavenly Creatures. So if you just heard Sherry mention that and now you want to find out even more, you not only go to Heavenly Creatures, but you can go deeper and find out about their who's who's behind it uh, on this podcast. And it's a beautiful thing. So yeah. I like I like that. So uh, you know, you came on the trip with Leaf. You, he's been on he's been on this podcast maybe four or five times. Okay, he's an easy guest. And so, listen, I'll end it Isn't by saying, "Isn't he the nicest guy guest. in the world?" He really is. I yeah, know him he from is. a different, a few different perspectives now. Just not him being a chef or a friend. You know, I've kind of done business with him, and you can get to know somebody yeah. with how they do business. And yeah. no, Leaf, I really. Um, have a lot of respect for, and I look at him and, you know, he's a really nice guy outwardly on his social media and in person. And he is that genuine. That is him. So, um, and that's one of the reasons he succeeded too, is that he's, you know, he serves good product, but he's also a personable guy. Totally. So, yeah. So, and you are too. So I was just about to say, we've had him on. He's a good, easy guest. And I like to have him back when he does new different things, like go to Mexico for six months. Mm-hmm. Same thing with you. Let's get a report on uh, uh, your travels sometime down the okay. road. And, you know, maybe, maybe your business, do you think it will evolve into something else or do you like it just the way it is? Well, um, 
I'm not, I don't currently have any plans to get a fourth tour going, which is not to say that I won't ever, but what I'm working on uh, more for 2024 is, is uh, wanting to do custom and private tours, team building events. Oh, cool. Yeah. That would be good. And I know you would do well at that. People like, yeah, I, yeah. I would think people I, would like to be around you. Well, I do. So, so I, I have been doing them and I will continue doing them, but, um, but they're really great. And then, and they're fun. And so that's what my focus is, is to have even more of those going on, on top of keeping the public tours running as they currently are. Good. So where do people find you? Portlandbymouth.com. Hold on. We lost you. We're going to do it again. Okay. One more time. Where do people find you? portlandbymouth.com all right and also you're on facebook as well right yes which will take you to your link and also instagram what about instagram yeah yeah both both facebook and instagram is portland by mouth food tours all right oh so you have to put the word food tours on instagram uh, um well if you google it it'll, no it's all right people yeah, find you'll it. find me what, either, either way, way either way find it yeah, either way. Right, right. Portland by mouth. All right, Sherry, I'm glad we found you here right now. And I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, I, Chris. Oh, my, that's a pleasure. I hope it wasn't as nerve-wracking as you No, no, I, I let my nerves go and, and we were just chatting. Yes, well, good. I appreciate it. That's what I hoped it would be for you and it was for me. And we'll look forward to talking about your travels when you get back. Will do. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right